0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. My guest today is Adam Grotman, and I want to thank you all for listening. If you'd like to get a hold of me, you can write me at mike at com. Why not check out our website at traveltalespodcast.com? You can follow us on Twitter at traveltalespod. You can follow us at Stitcher Radio. There's a link on the web page to uh, go to Stitcher, and you can also uh, follow us on iTunes. There's also a link on our webpage to go to iTunes. And while you're at iTunes, I say this every week, but please give us a nice rating. Give us stars. Say a few nice things. That boosts our presence and helps people find the show. So that would be super if you could do that. Little travel tip, I know I've talked about this with other guests, but the key to maximizing frequent flyer miles, be flexible. I found a flight in August one way to Croatia, which I'm very excited about returning. Uh, it's a peak season. It's summer. Europe, usually it's going to cost you at least 50,000 miles one way to fly coach to Europe. I found 30,000 miles one way in August, just by checking the site often to see if there were any deals. And it was only available on one day. And I jumped and grabbed it. Total cost, 30,000 miles, $9 in taxes and fees. And they gave me the option, if I wanted to buy that ticket in cash, take a guess how much. One way, Turkish Airlines to Zagreb from L.A. via Istanbul. Oh, I'll tell you, $4,500. Instead, I'm paying nine and using only 30,000 miles, which I got just by opening a credit card. So there you go. Uh, Those things can really pay off. So be flexible, keep checking for deals, and you never know, you might get one. There's my travel tip of the week. Go to the webpage. It's going to be all new very soon, and I'm very excited about it. But right now, let's get right to our guest. It's Adam Grapman. Enjoy. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm here with Adam Groppman. The Gropper. Nobody calls you the Gropper, do they?
1: Uh, I get various... Until now? um, Until right now? uh, It's (laughs) cool. Yeah, no, I get... People (laughs) like to play around. I don't have any, like, real nicknames. People just like to play with my name. It's like Grops, Gropster... (laughs) Some people call me Groptimum, which is my um, my email.
0: I like Groptimus Prime. I okay, think that, would, that would be a good one.
1: That's my uh, comedy album. <laughs> is Groptimus it Prime? No, no. I mean, now it is. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I won't get any credit for that, will I? I won't uh, get. Yeah, you will. I'm get a piece of the action. You will. That big comedy album. Action. Well, I already
1: put out my first record. Oh, you it's did? Called the Best of Mike Siegel. <laughs> <laughs> um, Some people thought the title was misleading.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Strangely enough, I didn't get a piece of that either, which I'm is sorry. weird. Yeah. Um. For people who don't know you, uh, yeah. you are a, a comedian slash writer, yeah. And uh, we met through doing comedy around around L.A. and various other places. So and softball and softball, yeah, right. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That was fun. Yeah.
0: Um, but I remember I, we I, we saw each other at a barbecue this weekend. Yeah, yeah, at the very funny Jackie Cation's house. Who yeah. Jackie did the podcast too. Oh, cool. Year. Yeah. yeah um, Fun
1: barbecue, yeah.
0: Yeah, but you had mentioned that you had been at a kibbutz in Israel. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so for our Gentile uh, listeners who yeah. don't know what a kibbutz is, describe what I will, what and
1: they're very welcome there. Actually, a lot of kibbutzes <laughs> have a lot of non-Jews. Really? And it's a whole thing, yeah, because a kibbutz is a socialist farm that was created probably not long after the founding of Israel. Probably they started in the 40s, I'm guessing. Uh, maybe they even started before Israel became a state in 1948, but basically they go back that far. And it's a very idealistic thing. I, I like to say it's one of the most perfect little bubbles of "quote unquote" socialism, right? Which is very different in like a nation, you know what I mean? But but in a little, it's a little community, like a, a little village or a gathering of people, and it could be three hundred, four, seven hundred people, something like that. And it's families usually, but you can have random single people, whatever. And they all live together on a piece of land, and they all work on to the best that they can on some industries that that kibbutz that little village farming or whatever community can then sell and make money to the rest of Israel, so they bring in revenue, and um you get your needs taken care of as long as you just work and like you basically do your best, but they don 't work like crazy like eighty hours a week they okay. work hard, but they 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 party. <laughs> they have recreation, they have fun, they all have great swimming pools, they have like, nice dining commons, they, they, and they're not generally very religious. These are, tend to be, they were founded by Jews who were more into the idea of Israel just as a um, strong nation, and not like a very religious thing. So they're all like religious, like, you know, they like know the holidays, and whatever, they know all this, but they, they, they do the basic holidays, but they live a very sort of like Western, you know, real world. Uh, okay. Life,
0: because that's the opposite. Like I thought it would be, because when you hear it was something like that, you think, "Oh, yeah. this is like a ultra religious camp." You know, this other no.
1: people. No, there was like settlers, and settlers have settlements, and they're like very religious Jews. I mean, they're like hardcore believers, like yeah. God people.
0: And this is a different thing.
1: Most of the kibbutzes, like the one I was on, were like really like secular and really like more like rugged sort of types, like rugged frontier types to some extent. You know, and anyway, it was his it was, it was, mine was like in the desert. And you have your housing, and you have your permanent housing, where they have neat little houses for the families that are actually going to live there, in some cases, multi-generations. And then they had little sort of simple trailer things for us, visitors. We're called visitors. Visitors, okay. So you can go for two months. I did four and a half months. I did four and a half months, and... um, How old were you with this? I turned 21. Okay. I was halfway through college. I took a year off. I was just flipped out about having to get away from the college I was at. And I wanted to go somewhere, and... um, I wanted to go somewhere and have an exotic, fun, crazy getaway. And honestly, like I had one friend who went to Brazil, and it was unbelievable the experiences he had. When he came home with just this mind blowing, you know, <laughs> lifetime of experiences. Yeah. Seven months of Brazil, horny guy, you know, oh, Yo, the perfect from Boston, perfect. Yeah, yeah, it was like the kid in the candy store. It was just too, <laughs> too much. It was wicked awesome. And he and he, and he plays guitar. So I was like, oh, god, he, he was
0: bless he, him.
1: he was hot stuff in Brazil. You know I, I bet, mean? but um. Basically, and I knew other people who'd gone to exotic places and and, and had, had, had that kind of adventure. So I was like, thought about, well, I hear Israel i mean, I have this like you know this connection connection by by ethnicity, but uh, for me it was I grew up not with any kind of Israel Zion thing at all you know you didn't do the uh, birthright thing no and... I didn't know much about Israel my parents weren't big Israel people <laughs> I didn't I, either my yeah. dad was
0: Jewish but yeah. I, my mom was Catholic so okay I, yeah. I can tell you how much religion was in
1: our house right right uh, they just made me get bar mitzvah but other and we have, my parents are like super reform like super beyond my dad's like an angry atheist now you know what I mean right <laughs> right so right. basically basically it's like a Israel partly was that it had the situation where I could do a kibbutz thing and it was so unbelievably affordable and because all you have to do is get your plane ticket there and then everything is taken seriously. You can show up with like pocket change and and also it was it's a country with great weather and it's a country where people go from all around the world. So you're gonna see like a mix there. You're gonna see like the world there. And, um, and the chicks are hot too. The chicks are. A lot of these really women are hot and really like <laughs> yeah. tanned and sexy and strong. And some of them, are like, they walk around with rifles yeah. on, you know? I was there
0: a year and a half ago. A
1: year and a half ago. okay, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah.
0: When Avi was there. Okay. Avi Lieberman was right. there. So he was kind of my guide through Jerusalem.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: But I didn't get out to, like, farther. I went out to Masada. Yeah. And then I went down to a lot. Yeah. And I just stayed around Jerusalem and Tel Aviv. But I didn't really get to see... Yeah, like go way out in the country there.
1: Yeah, you said how far outside of? Like, well, this is what I was. Israel is shaped like um, like narrow, and at the bottom it, it, it's like an arrow, like at the bottom it's like they say it's, it's yeah. like a dagger. Where a right? lot is, yeah. yeah so yeah. we were relatively close to a lot. We were only a half an hour north of a lot in the middle of the desert, the middle of the hardcore desert. It wow. looks like Palm Springs, but without um, Sinatra's house and all the <laughs> yeah. you know the cool nightclubs. It's basically that part of the desert is severe, empty. Incredibly hot. And I mean, I think there's a beauty to it. Like, I actually think it's kind of inspiring.
0: Yeah, but you, you have to grow stuff there, don't you? Like, don't you yeah. grow your own food? And- yeah,
1: yeah. It's not the Israel that you almost ever see on the news. Like, this is obscure. This is like the Nevada desert. Like, this is obscure Israel right. where there's not much population. There's really the kibbutzim, that's the plural. Of kibbutzim, they kibbutzim? hold, yeah, kibbutzim. They hold down that part of the country because there's not really normal towns really there. The kibbutzim, what they do is they've irrigated. So the kibbutz is a little oasis of green where there's trees, there's grass, there's some lawns, amazing swimming pools. Because they know, like they're in a harsh, severe place where it gets like 110 in half the year. So they're using up the limited supply of water. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but you got swimming pools. Totally great. You got to have a nice swimming pool. Like you deserve that (laughs) if you live there, because it really does. It looks like the Coachella Valley is what it looks like. Um, And um, you have Jordan on one side, you have Egypt on the other side, not far on either side, beyond behind the mountains. And um, so yeah, you have the, you have the visitor housing, and um, they're like this. Tra- they have air conditioners, so that's the really important no, thing. God you're, bless you're them. Fine with that, and they have all the public buildings and stuff. And yeah, it's just like it's almost like living on some weird little campus, you know. And ours, like we weren't in a very developed area, so like we'd look out across this desert, this peaceful, like very dramatic desert, and we'd see little twinkling lights several miles away, and that was another kibbutz that was smaller than ours. Occasionally, they'd come visit us. So anyways, so we're like a half an hour away from a lot, which is the very bottom of Israel. We're just above the bottom. This and is you, like Jewish summer camp, basically. It so was. That. It was totally crazy Jewish <laughs> summer camp for college-age kids. All right. So you've got basically a lot of college... There's no age limit. I remember we had a 40-year-old guy. At the time, I was like, wow, he's 40. What?" A- <laughs> and now you're
0: thinking, wow, I, I thought that guy was really old. That's my yeah, yeah. age.
1: Crap. Well, but he showed me, though, because this guy... I think his name was Jake, mm-hmm. and he had, he had long, crazy, crazy curly hair, and he'd walk around in shorts all the time, and he, I think he smoked pot, which was like a huge deal. In Israel, you're not supposed to like, they come down on drugs, big time. And he smoked hash, and he was super mellow, and I remember like he was like a big kid. He was like a guy who just like, he was a 25-year-old, you know what, what I mean? What was
0: he running away from? He's running
1: away from something, that guy. Maybe the law. Yeah. You know what I mean? or something, and he was just hanging out, and he was like, hello, Adam. He was like Dutch or something. I said like, yeah, man, it's all good. It's all good, or whatever. And, and, but basically, we'd take this bus, this crazy bus, that was one freeway. It's like the I-5 of Israel that goes north-south, down to a lot, and you'd get this public bus, the Egged bus, and they would drive like maniacs. All the bus drivers drive like it's the French Connection. They go like 80 <laughs> miles an hour, and then you have to go around these checkpoints. The checkpoints, they have zigzags, because they think that like terrorists won't zigzag. Somehow you'll like, that will stop them. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're like, cannot zigzag. No, I cannot turn. But like, they have it set up like that. Somehow it's supposed to slow down terrorists. But the buses would drive through those things like full speed. It was crazy. And you go down to a lot. Anyway, we were talking at the barbecue a lot at the bottom of Israel is like the anti-Jerusalem. It's a super... It's a resort town. It's, it's a resort right on the town. Sea. It's super unreligious. There's no like religious population base there. It's like a combination of Atlantic City and um, a Cancun, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And a little tiny bit of sort of Vegas without casinos. What is it? It's bars, and it's like super tropical, like awesome. And weather. hotels. Yeah. And hotels, and some big fancy hotels, like you said. And and, w- and w- one big thing also, besides all the bars with all the Europeans, tons of Europeans, by the way, you have to understand. It's, it's, like, it's like going to Tormelino, Spain. Like you go there, and if you want to hang out with Germans, Scandinavians, and, you know, English, you go to a lot. Yeah. Even yeah. more than the rest of Israel. That's who you'll hang out with a lot. And, Basically, there's a lot of topless sunbathing there. A lot of like Swedish girls, um, um, topless sunbathing. So it's kind of a fun place. (laughs) You know what I mean? There was a lot of Russians too when I was there. Probably a lot of Russians. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, right there in a lot, and if you cross the Sinai Peninsula, is some of the best snorkeling. And no, I went diving there. That's what I correct. Yeah, you went diving.
0: I went diving there because that's one of the reasons I went to a lot because I really wanted to get down into. Egypt and the Sinai and Sharm yeah. el Sheikh and yeah, but the problem was it was like not too long after the uh, revolution. Oh, and uh, I couldn't get a, a definite answer on whether it was safe or not. I, like I was going to take a bus from Elat to uh, Cairo. Yeah, because I haven't been to Egypt. That was high on my list. Yeah, and nobody could, like half the people would go. What are you nuts? You don't want to go there now? It's crazy, you know. And, and I
1: would be nervous after the revolution yeah. <laughs> just because uh, it's very
0: unknown. I went to yeah. Egypt. They fear the unknown. there. Yeah. And for good reason. I, I know why. But, you know, one thing about having Mubarak, they did have a, an agreement in place for 30 years, yeah. and now that's all well, unknown. Well, Mubarak,
1: the deal was, like, you'd have crazy randoms, uh, um, crim- you know, terrorist types in a country of 90 million, whatever, mm-hmm. um, who, who, who were against, against everything, against him, you know what I mean? But the thing was that that at least the government was what we'd consider to be sort of responsible. And then after the, after the change, you don't know where the government... Even stands, but I, I went to Egypt, which is which was really cool too back then, from a little sub trip from uh, from Israel, and um, it was it's interesting, and we and the Sinai Peninsula is like a weird in between no man's land, because-
0: right? The Bedouins were kidnapping people as well when oh, I was really? there, and so that was like a big deal. That and they think they still are. That's like yeah, that's their thing now.
1: Yeah, yeah. And sure not being not- mean
0: to them, not yeah. being mean to them too. They're just like oh, this is what we do now.
1: Are you sure it's not people who just hate their job and, and you know their life back home? <laughs> they're like I've been kidnapped. Exactly. And they're just smoking hash. No. Um yeah, your buddy. Hello, Adam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been kidnapped. <laughs> we we went um, to Dahab, which is similar to Sharm el Sheikh but a little smaller. And I didn't actually scuba dive. I just snorkeled and the snorkeling is really incredible and it's the same Red Sea that you get in a lot where you go down, you go Twenty feet out and from the beach. I mean, you go so close. Yeah, we went right off the beach and and there's coral, coral which is considered the third best in the world. I, I remember hearing that. Like the the, the best coral is uh, um, uh, in Australia, and then there's another yeah. one, and then there's this, the Red Sea, and um, the fish. You fe- did you feed the fish?
0: Uh, I didn't feed them. Now they've cut back on a lot uh, of that stuff. It's really kind of bad. You you don't want to. The try fish to... were
1: overweight. I understand. <laughs> and, uh... Well,
0: no, it, it kind of like. It, yeah. it, I, environmentalists are against it. Yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah. animal people. It's just like, you don't yeah. want to train them. Yeah, they yeah. should be able to hunt for themselves. And no, that's that, true. Basically. They're
1: probably getting really, like, <laughs> lazy. Ameri- Americans, yeah. yeah. The, uh, bread, please. But back then, they give you, like, this bread, and um, it was incredibly multicolored fish, like a rainbow. It was like, it was like Jacques Cousteau. And you go out just a few yards out, and then you snorkel, and you go down just a little bit, and all of a sudden, you're near coral, and you're near these unbelievable, crazy, colorful fish, nibbling out of your hands. So it was it was a great experience. I can only imagine like snorkeling. I mean, sorry, scuba diving would be mind blowing.
0: Yeah, but it it, um, it was good. Yeah, but the yeah. only the downside, and I dove all over all over the world. And the downside of it was a it was the most expensive place that I've ever dove. Oh yeah. Like yeah. and I'd, I filled out more forms. In Israel than in any other country oh, yeah. that I've done. It's like oh, release forms and all right. this stuff. They made me do a refresher course dive. Yeah, yeah. Even though I've been diving for 20 years, they're just like, well, if you haven't done it in the last six months... and. And they wanted to see my log book, which I've never shown anyone. Oh my God.
1: I'm glad I didn't try to do it because you'd think it's another country, anything other than the United States, especially in the eastern part of the world, yeah. you think like, do so they just be like, don't care? They'd, because I bet there's places in the world it's unregulated. Philippines,
0: they never even asked me. Yeah, they didn't yeah, even yeah, ask yeah, to yeah. see my certification card. Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah they just hired them. Yeah. Never asked to see it. Yeah. And it was just like, this was the complete 180 of that. But yeah. that point where a lot is, it's on the end of the Gulf of Aqaba. Yeah. And so, if you get out of that Gulf, then you're really into the Red Sea,
1: right? Right. And right. so that's
0: where the, like the real cool diving is. And I guess oh, you want to yeah. get farther out in there. And I just I want to go back, but yeah, because I took a little I flew down there. Yeah. Oh wow. From uh, Tel Aviv, yeah. like a little commuter, like forty five minute. Yeah, yeah, flight. Yeah. yeah. And answered twenty five minutes of questions at the right. airport to right get right on right the right plane, but yeah, it was um, it, just to think that Jordan is right there, right there, and is it Saudi Arabia? No. Uh Egypt. Saudi
1: Arabia Egypt is right on the other side and Saudi was just below Jordan. Right. So you're in this weird Yeah.
0: And it can be kind of tense. There was an incident at the border in a lot, like a month after uh, yeah, a month before I got there. Yeah. It was just somebody like launched some kind of silly bomb or Molotov yeah. cocktail or something, but so you were there about twenty years ago, I'm guessing.
1: I was about that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, wait a second. Abib I don't want to arm. give away your age there. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was something like that. What yeah.
0: was what was the political vibe when you were down there?
1: Political vibe was it was um, it was uh, in the big picture not that many years after Israel um, gave over the Sinai Peninsula. The Sinai Peninsula, though, culturally was really it's weird thing. It's it's a weird buffer zone, especially then because it's unpopulated. So both countries, when they had it, it, was like a buffer between them and the other guy, and the Bedouins who live there are very, very different and very unique and separate. They do not consider themselves to be core Egyptians; they're their own thing. They're not that into Egypt, at least they weren't then. And because Israel owned the Sinai Peninsula before they gave it back to Egypt after after a war, um, the Bedouins spoke perfect Hebrew. It, they're, they're 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 pretty flexible people. They're not like Cairo Egyptians. And, and it's, like, they really, they wear those white things from head to toe with, the, like, the little band that goes around your head, your head thing. So, I mean, they're really, like, exotic, but they, like, drive cabs. And so all the cab drivers are Bedouins and stuff. But they're really nice. To, they were really nice to tourists when you're in these tourist towns. And they didn't care if you're American or Jewish or what, you know. And you get all these, like, crazy Europeans. You get all these, like, you know. That's the thing, too, about Israel is on the trail of, like, the backpackers and all kinds of, like, interesting, fun, wacky um, youth hostile <laughs> people. You know what I yeah. mean? There's that kind of element, and they go through the Sinai Peninsula. So the Sinai Peninsula um, back then was, um, in some cases, people said that that the um, the Bedouins sort of liked the administration of the Israelis better because they thought the administration was a little better of, of that area in terms of, like, services and stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I went to we Dahab, which is, like, this little crazy place on the beach. It's, like, a little, like, mellow... I won't say Venice Beach, but it's not crowded like that. But it's like, there's like tents, and they'll rent you a little tent. You sleep in a tent for like one Egyptian pound a night, which is nothing. And then there's like this little like um, fast food, little kind of place with fried food, like fish and chips and like burgers. And there's some like African guy working there. And then they, they try to sell you hash. But the what we heard was that they'll turn around and get you arrested. This is in Egypt. In, yeah, in Egypt, in oh, Sinai yeah, Peninsula. Yeah. So don't buy the hash. But like, yeah, we it was... When we were in Daha, we met these two Egyptian guys, or three, and they were real characters. They spoke perfect English, and they grew up in this very educated kind of upper family where they were sent to, like, America to go to school, and they were driving around in a huge American station wagon. And they were, like, they, they really liked hanging out and talk. Well, I was with a couple of girls, too. Oh, okay. Well, that helps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were, all, like, over it. But they were, like, <laughs> hanging out with us, and, like, we were sitting there at the beach getting, getting drunk, and, and they had hash and stuff. And um, it was just so surreal, and we're, it, you could at that point we're crossing Saudi Arabia. You're looking out, seeing the lights of of, of Saudi Arabia and um, and it, this the Egyptian tourist police um, showed up, and they show up in the back of this truck with machine guns. It's like this, this truck pulls open truck pulls up, and there's a couple of soldiers in the back, and a guy driving, and they're like, "Oh And like um, the, our <laughs> Egyptian friends like talked to them, and they, they made us get in the truck and go back to this little police station. They, it's actually called the Egyptian tourist police. Like that's like that's a little police department they have, right? And I was a little, I was nervous, but then I got really indignant. I was like, "I'm an American. Oh, this is oh, a U.S. No. I go, this is an American uh, passport." Well, I just didn't want them to think they could like push us around. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then does that work? I mean, I, I never. It liked worked. It. Okay, they actually, they actually backed off and they let us go because they was, now if
0: they thought you were Israeli, is that why they?
1: I don't know what they thought. I don't know what they thought they weren't doing anything really psycho i think they were looking for like we were it was almost um what it was it was like worse for the egyptian guys the egyptian guys in bet would have been better off not speaking arabic cuz these tourist police they they will they, give tourists a lot of latitude but these guys were weird guys because they spoke arabic and they couldn't get out of being egyptian they couldn't deny it at that point mm-hmm. but they spoke perfect english they are really weird guys and um <laughs> They were all talking about they were all like like, yeah, man, we're like communists and shit, and like you know, blah blah, and uh so basically, basically, they took us back, and I, I don't know if they were like concerned about drugs or what, but um they pretty much we didn't have any, you know right. and did they had
0: some money, did they take they some
1: money and... no they just they just let us go, but honestly, they didn't want a bribe when i got all when I got a little bit uppity about. This is an American passport, and I'm not gonna be, you know. At that point, it could have gone two ways. They could have gotten really tough, or they could have backed off because they're really like pussycats, you know what right. I mean? And, that, and then the second thing is what happened. They were like, okay, 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 well, you just stand there for another few minutes, and it's okay, okay, we let you go, okay, and this is okay. Because it really, we didn't really do anything. Right.
0: This is when you didn't buy the hash? We did not buy the hash. No. <laughs> so when you went there, so this is like say early nineties. Yeah. When on this kibbutz, yeah. What's the population of that one? Like My kibbutz was
1: was was a, a, a decent-sized one. a think it was, let's say, was 700, let's 700, something like that. That's, that's a I lot see. of a lot of a yeah, it, it's good. It's like being in a very small college or something, or a village, a decent-sized village. So how many, say with the
0: percentage, it would be Americans? and?
1: <laughs> well, of our visitor group, my visitor group, which was a shorter-term visitor group, where people are signing up for four months, they might stretch it, or they might do less than four months, or something like that, generally speaking, um, there was, let's um, uh, say, 30 or something of us who came in, we're like one class, kind of, we just all happened to come at the same time. It was a program called an Ulpan where you can study Hebrew half the time. So it means that half the time you don't do the physical labor work, but you're learning a language. Because they think it's beneficial for you, if you to the country if you learn Hebrew, right? And so basically, I think ours did it every other day. I think that's the way it did it. Some places did a combination of of a uh, half day work, half day language. But I think we did it every other day,
0: usually. Yeah. You could go out and irrigate the desert, or you could stay inside in the air conditioner the air conditioning, and learn a language. Learn language. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's an easy choice, I think.
1: But I like the work to me is interesting though. Like I'm glad I did it because it's just interesting and it was so different.
0: What kind of work did you do?
1: First of all, you're getting up at, depending sometimes five thirty in the morning. Or or oh. or, or or mellow was like seven seven thirty, whatever. Right? Um, five five thirty with certain jobs like um picking the onions Planting or picking, I think it was picking the onions at the onion field. You have to do that stuff early. And part of the reason, too, is because of the sun. Yeah, it gets too hot. Because so you'll get day. killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's moderately cool at five in the morning, whatever, right? So we, they had, they had, um, kibbutz I was on. Every kibbutz can have its own thing. They mostly have like farming agriculture. Ours had onions, and I did some of the picking the onions. And then I also worked in the onion factory, which is the onions go through this process where they come in, they go in a conveyor belt. One job is, you can alternate jobs, you, you, you uh, cut with this razor thing built into this conveyor belt. You cut off all the crazy growth that comes out of the top of the onion, you know, that big stock. Yeah. And then uh, other people sort and throw out bad ones. And then you can operate the machine that automatically pours 50 pounds of onions into a bag. And then there's a guy who helps you, like, with a sewing thing, this big industrial sewing thing. Then there's taking the 50-pound bags and organizing them in these crisscross, desi- um, basically, like, um, piles these big squared off piles to go onto a pallet and then another guy operates the forklift which is hilarious because we're all idiots none of us is a forklift operator so it'd always be like some guy pretending to like be able to drive to the forklift and um but the good thing about that job was like you'd get kind of strong I like to do the thing carrying the 50 pound bags putting them on the thing because it was like doing a little bit of weightlifting all day and then we get into onion fights and we chuck onions so wait, to get back sorry there's so many tangents here to get back to your thing about who it was I would say what there, there was groupings there was about like um Like a handful of us Americans, and um, just a handful. There was a handful of Brits, uh, English kids. Uh, There was a couple of random Germans. You had some French, and um, you had some Canadians. So Canadians, Americans definitely could hang, you know, whatever. There's some South Africans who were a trip. So
0: really, English is the unifying language of the kibbutz, really, if you're going to... come.
1: Yeah, but some of the French... Were, and a few South Americans, they were not oh, in the English loop. They could be, but, they, but some of these guys weren't. There was one guy barely spoke English, one French guy, okay, but like, oh, Adam is, but no, why you say that? Um, <laughs> How was your Hebrew before you went there? Almost nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Nothing. I mean, I mean, I mean. Stuff you learn at holidays is not. That's not really living language, <laughs> right. you know. And for for so, your Bar Mitzvah, I got that after. I, I, my parents made me do a few months of Hebrew school, but it's a joke. I mean, it's like it's like a few words, but it's disconnected from like. But yeah. after you're cramming you, for the test, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't because English, you know how it is. English is the dominant language, yeah. And so when you go around the world, we don't have to worry and usually go to them. Even around the world, they come to us, yeah. And if they don't speak English, it's like. That's okay. We don't need to talk. (laughs) Yeah. Here's a dollar. This is what I want. A point to it. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's just like, unless you're somewhere really exotic. Like if they dropped you off in the highlands of Cambodia, you really might wish that you... Yeah.
0: I never had a problem, even in Cambodia. Yeah, yeah, like because
1: yeah, yeah. if they
0: know one other uh, language other than their own, usually it's English.
1: Yeah, it is. A, we are
0: very lucky in that aspect that it's really the closest thing to a world language. Well, the Israelis that too are pretty,
1: are pretty up in it because well, they, they, yeah, they, Israelis all know English. They like to be connected to the West. Most of them do. I mean, there's like well, we if they only know Hebrew, that exactly. kind of limits your business exactly. prospects. Exactly. Totally. Totally. <laughs> you know, they totally <laughs> learn English. They totally learn, English. and a lot of them, I would say, it's pretty good. Like, it's mm-hmm. pretty good. It's pretty good English. You know, um, and. Uh, and then our group, yeah, our group of visitors, there was enough English, at least to people we want to hang out with, you know. What I mean? <laughs> right. And talk to, so, so it made it comfortable, and and um, yeah, we would we would uh, um stay in our barracks and we would do our our jobs and during the day half the time. And so I picked onions, I pollinated um date palms where you would climb up in a tree and you have a partner, you go up a ladder and you did something weird where it's like you help the date palms basically reproduce by putting the thing on the thing or something and um. That was out in the, the grove, the, the palm tree groves. And then you work in the onion factory a lot. You leave smelling like an onion. I mean, it oh. was unbelievable, the smell that was attached to you <laughs> after just working around onions all day. Even after you fly home? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is that? And then um, our – the kibbutz I was on was known throughout Israel to have a really big dairy. So there's the part of the dairy where there's all the cows, and they're under a tin structure, Um with a roof, because you have to have a roof out there in the desert. It's amazing they can even do it. And so there's the part with the actual cow part of it, right? Then there's the part where you um, were
0: they dairy cows in the middle of the desert?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this their their dairy, like the part where they actually make the products, was really a huge operation, and they sold dairy products to all of Israel. Like it'd be like Hood Milk or or, or some yeah, brand yeah, everybody yeah. knows, and 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 people love their um. Their products, Yotvata products, and they have like this little. It was like uh, it was like two palm trees going around a sun. Like it's it's a really recognizable thing. So this was a kibbutz where when you worked there on lived in a kibbutz, you would gain a few pounds. Yeah, because sounds like they're getting a lot of free labor here. They do get free labor. <laughs> of course, the regular, the the long term people. Yeah, work, they're living there and I mean, they work hard and. And they're good and they, a lot of them are like – they really know the, – they're, they're the supervisors. You know, They know the, the deal. But, but they did get some free labor but we all loved it because we were – first of all, you're living somewhere and all your needs are taken care of. I mean, I mean they, they won't – if you have a medical problem, somebody will help you out. If you eat three great meals a day, you, there's fun events and I even, think, I even think you got a little bit of money. Like they gave you a little allowance pocket change thing even though most people had a little bit of money with them, you know? Um, and clothing. So they give you work clothes. So, like, this is your work clothes, so you don't have to, like, destroy your regular clothes, you know? Um, <laughs> but I worked in the dairy, and they did have us do they have us do pretty dumb stuff in the dairy thing. Like, what it was is these these conveyor belt with these plastic dividers that would get filled up with the containers of yogurt or milk or chocolate milk or sour cream, the different things they make, and you would just kind of put them on and make sure, blah, 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 they're, like, set up. And um, you could just be grabbing chocolate milks, or, I mean, they had some really fun products, you know. I think that what they have, they had like, I think they had like chocolate yogurt or something. And um, anyway, so they so, make ice cream. I think they did make ice cream, Ooh. except that would have to be like immediately frozen. Yeah, yeah, mean? yeah. But they made, they made a lot of like definitely stuff that is fattening but fun.
0: So this was all kosher stuff. Was there like a rabbi there to make it all kosher? And
1: you know what? I mean, it must have been kosher in Israel, but I just don't remember that issue, you know. Yeah. So, How does that work?
0: With I mean, is, yeah. is there? A, there's got to be one present, or they have to separate it from. I don't know. Have you know meat what? I anywhere think, nearby? Yeah,
1: I, I think. I think the deal with kosher, and I don't know much about this because my family's the furthest thing from kosher. You know what I mean? Yeah, we were, we were big bacon people. You know what I mean? <laughs> but Wait a from what I understand is there's the intrinsic things about what can be in it and what it can be near and what the conditions are, and then there's also the fact that a rabbi comes around and blesses it. So you have like <laughs> a kosher whatever rabbi like a, he's a kosher king you know what i mean kosher king yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. he's he's uh, he's he's the guy who could do that he's, did you
0: gain can, weight when you were there
1: i think i like might have gained a few pounds yeah because because <laughs> what it is is you're grabbing these dairy products either you go over to the to the dairy where your buddy's working or you're working and you just just take whatever you want and in our dining commons it was full of these dairy products oh. like there would just be a big chilled whatever cooler full of them and uh so yeah, ours was ours was other other kibbutzes. Our kibbutz did pretty well. I guess we were considered to be relatively prosperous. And um, other kibbutzes, some of them did like weird electronics. Some of them did more agriculture, where they did more vegetable crops than we did. We did a little bit of that. Um, definitely, the dairy had to be the the kind of like um, basic, you know, building block there.
0: Now this was pre-internet. So how did you hear about this? kibbutz and uh, you probably did you see any photos of it did you know what you were getting
1: into yeah, before yeah yeah this was so pre-internet it's <laughs> weird to think of like how did we know anything i started asking networking around with people who had been to israel and i tr- i tried to go with the word of cool people that i knew to see what they thought and a couple of people told me ones they'd been on and i i'm trying to think i think it was one person i don't know if it was a guy who was at my college i talked to a couple of people from the town i grew up in near boston and people told me their experience or one they had been on um and and then he told me that it was a good one, and I knew it was an interesting choice because I was not in an area which was climate wise relatively mellow or more northern, whereas more mixed, and more towns nearby, and you know more normal trees and yeah, stuff. Yeah, you
0: went into the harsh. You went to like Mars compared to where you yeah, grew up.
1: <laughs> it'd really be like going to um, way 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 out, like beyond Palm Springs. Yeah, instead be- of coming to even you know anywhere in L.A. Yeah. And, uh, or the coast or something. So, yeah, we weren't really near a body of water, even though we are like, half an hour north of a lot, but we weren't really on that at all. And, uh, so, so... But what I liked about... I heard good things about the community, and I heard good things about it as a place with a good vibe, and it's a good, healthy kibbutz. It's doing well. And uh, it was fun, man. It was... I mean, it was such an experience, you know? And we had... I'd swim a lot. Like, after work, you'd get up early, you'd do your, your, your work, your manual labor, you'd earn your keep, and then, um... You know, I thought the meals were pretty good. I think it was, it was always, like, buffet style. And the Israeli breakfast is, is vegetables with, like, sour cream and stuff. Yeah. Or yogurt. So it's like you're eating, like, salad for breakfast, which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah. There's a reason everybody's, you know, thinner yeah. and better looking over there
1: yeah <laughs> you know,
0: well you know that so mediterranean diet man it's it's great
1: well you've been all around the world right where yeah. have you seen have you seen people as generally overweight as generally heavy the
0: only places you'll see are usually the uk right and uh ireland right. a little bit and you know the germans can get kind of big but right. not, nothing like here
1: but you go to italy and you go to france nobody's nobody right
0: you'll never see like a, a three four hundred pound person no walking around like you do here
1: i think it stands out I it's mean, frightening
0: I, it's really, when really I was, frightening.
1: No, and I, I'm not just like it's so easy to eat uh, and so easy to gain weight like it's, it's yeah but, but we don't but in America is something about it like we just we just want more like yeah the, you know? the portion sizes are completely yeah, yeah, out yeah. of whack yeah if you, even if you're in the Mediterranean countries and I used to like I know Italy and I think France is like this if you see a guy with a belly it, you notice it. It's actually yeah, like, Oh, has got a belly. Yeah, <laughs> or a woman. Or he's just like
0: an old guy. Maybe you yeah. know he's got a little pot belly, but that's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. If you um, you say it's it was an amazing experience. What would you say you learned from it, and what was the biggest thing that you took away from all that?
1: I mean, for me, I guess there was some feeling of. Um, just uh being challenged in terms of being i remember like i was really far because it was pre-internet too
0: yeah i wrote letters to my parents yeah you couldn't just skype home and no
1: (laughs) no not even an email or a text or anything and
0: And also you're away from all the media too you don't know like your friends are seeing movies all summer and you come back and go no i never saw that movie what what tv show are you talking
1: about i guess that's the kind of stuff i so like kind of don't care. I mean, that's the kind of stuff where it's almost cool to just not care and be. Yeah. Human. Also, the world didn't move as fast. I know movies were important, but like, remember there wasn't like internet and like exactly that's as true. much stuff. There were like, your block, but you know a are away for whatever half a year. But the thing was that um you 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 would I guess some of that stuff would, go, would get to Israel. You I'd try to look at Jerusalem Post, like an English paper, to catch up. Of course, on big stories, I guess. But um, I remember calling my parents, which I could only do not that often because it's like you have to put all these coins in the phone, <laughs> and there's like that weird like ringing somewhere. It's like, right? Like, like it's almost
0: or like those calling cards. You yeah, had to dial in. You're, yeah, like you almost. can
1: hear the gerbil wheel going like in the phone system. <laughs> yeah. Like it's such a big deal how far away you're calling. Oh God, you know? yeah. And um, yeah, but it was it was it was it was a it was a challenging like self sufficiency thing for me. And I mean, I turned 21, so some kind of like symbolic thing, you know. And I met people from all around the world, and I mean, I would hang out and talk to, and in some cases, argue with like these South Africans and these French and and these different people, and um, I'd be I'd be I'd be friendly, but I mean, you just I guess it was it was like meeting. Everything is like that. I'm in college, and, and everything is like meeting people with different people and stuff, different personalities. But this was just like a little bit on um, uh, Amped Up because they were from different parts of the world. So we we got together, and and people – it's funny because you go to Israel, and you think, oh, you're just talking, hanging with Israelis. No, actually – not that much. We did talk to them here and there, but they had us off on our own little kind of we were a weird subgroup on the kibbutz. So we were amongst ourselves a lot. So it really was like summer camp. Mm-hmm. And we were all like we were most of us were in our twenties. <laughs> so did you ever get a chance to go like uh, take a weekend and go
0: up to like uh, Tel Aviv or yeah, anything? Like yeah, that? yeah, totally, totally. Tel Aviv I found to be like that's a party city. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Little little trips little trips, um um to, like to a lot could be a night trip, right? But, right? but but I did I did a couple of um, weekends and things like that. I saw some Jerusalem, saw some Tel Aviv, and like Tel Aviv, yeah, Tel Aviv is pretty modern and 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 real cityish and pretty big, and it's like it's like a real grid. It's not like you know Jerusalem's so weird and hilly, yeah. and mysterious. And um,
0: having been laid out three thousand years ago, you know they yeah. didn't design it for the automobile, really.
1: Right? No, no, it's not. It's not really. It's kind of intimate uh, walking city,
0: but it's fascinating with the, like the the Jewish parts and the Muslim yeah. section and the Christian section, and right. it's all just fascinating to me from a historical suspect. Yeah, you because know, I'm not a big religious yeah. person, but still. Historically, I just found it interesting.
1: It's really interesting. It's really interesting But I guess it, if
0: you're religious, it hits you on a different level. I never got hit on that level. By yeah. It. People would say, oh, were you moved when you went to the Wailing Wall? Uh, no, I, I right. found it interesting. Yeah, but yeah. I didn't feel that thing inside, yeah. I guess. I, I guess, guess you have to grow up with it, I think.
1: Right. I mean, you know, there's two different things, I think, in terms of that. Do you go there and you actually feel... Like this is the place where God really is or was, and there's the there's the God coming down in the three different flavors. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. and or do you think it's humanly interesting because this is the place that for thousands of years all of these deluded people who are basically like into their own <laughs> made up thing, right? that makes them <laughs> like it's what they decided this was important, and it's 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 a dramatic looking place because it's like it's a kind of like a scrubby, deserty place. Is it just humanly interesting because people who do believe in this stuff actually thought this place was important, you know?
0: How did your idea of uh, Israel yeah. change after you went there from like what you'd heard about it growing up, whether politically or yeah. anything else?
1: I, I think definitely there's... I mean, I saw and met certain people and saw certain things and went around some cities, and I have cousins who live up in Haifa and Mount Carmel. They actually live in a really nice neighborhood, you know? and they were they were technion which is like the caltech the mit of israel they're all very smart they're like science people they're like very european israelis you know and um it, basically uh but what i saw especially all around the kibbutz, is that um it's a pretty it's a pretty modern uh, i'm thinking in a lot of ways like the people there are like there's a lot of like you know a kind of a of a of a in some ways like a frontier mentality and also in the cities, just more of a normal kind of modern city mentality where a lot less crazy religion I think than some people might think. If people think it's mostly like the Jews and the black hats and the beards, absolutely not at all. No. They're kind of a minority there like they are here. And it's sort of like when you see those guys near here And uh,
0: not a very well liked minority amongst a lot of the
1: Right. <laughs> They're not. <laughs> Which
0: I was really surprised. That was like the big thing that yeah, I yeah. was surprised at. I, I figured when I went there, oh, yeah, all these rallies are on the same page and, you know, <laughs> they're just as divided. I mean, you have the super reformed ones. You have the totally. ones that are for more settlements. Yeah. You have the ones that are for a, an appeasement or like a two-state solution. Yeah. You have the ones, and then the ultra-Orthodox guys who are... That we went through that neighborhood in Jerusalem, where they're like the poorest neighborhood, yeah, and they they don't like them as much because they don't work and they don't serve in the military, yeah. We saw anti-Israeli banners in their neighborhood. There, right and right, they were just and the other Israelis were like, ah, oh, these weirdos and, and there's
1: know. very secular Israelis who, by the way, are really strong. Yeah, really and there's strong. a lot of atheists. There was a there's lot of atheists, lot of atheists, atheists and too. secular and 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 well, now there's Russians and their whole thing, you know, and they a lot of them have been very Russianized and actually like uh, very atheistic because mm-hmm. they they were like it wasn't cool to be religious in Russia, right, for generations. Well, it wasn't legal. <laughs> for it wasn't while. legal. It was wasn't Soviets, legal. Yeah. yeah. So they really actually just don't know. They don't know that. Yeah. Like, but the thing is that. um the spectrum of political, of political hardline or not, is in some cases not the same always as religious. Like it's not always the more religious, the more hard you are on being tough with the, the Arabs. Yeah. It's like because there are, like you said, there's some ultra orthodox who like technically don't think Israel should exist, um, and then and then uh, there are secular like uh, Jews there who are more just like culturally like whatever proud to be Jewish, and um, or Israeli and they some of them are incredibly tough they're incredibly like they 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 would very hard line about you know cuz in some cases they feel they have to be i mean when they experience terrorism you know what i mean and 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 they feel like uh, these people want to you know want to kill them you know um so so it doesn't even always go like less religious more liberal and soft yeah. on defense sometimes you get you get you know Really tough on defense among people who are like aren't religious, but they're just like, hey man, it's nothing to do with you. Don't need religion to like defend yourself. You know what I mean? Right. But I mean, it's also like, but there's definitely like very liberal leftist people, relatively speaking, who're like, let's accommodate. And I'm, I'm, I'm a lot like that. I mean, I like, I'm into accommodating, just on that side of the line of suicide. You know what I mean? (laughs) As long as it's not like nobody should like want. No country wants to commit suicide, but up to that, I'm like basically like. Give them land. Like, like try to uh, have a peaceful coexistence. Maybe even exist together, if it's possible. Yeah. As long as it works.
0: And know? I was, like, uh, I didn't know much about it before I left, but yeah. the, you get the image here that uh, the Palestinians are on this one side of the country. And right. But no, there's little pockets of them. Yeah. And there's kind of almost like little... West Berlin's, or you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like little walled cities around, and some really close to Jerusalem. We drove by a few of them. Yeah. And they're like, oh, there's a settlement right there. It's like, oh, just right there, right yeah. outside of town. And then there's like a gate. Jerusalem's on the
1: line. Yeah. That, that's yeah. the crazy thing. It's not buffered at all. <laughs> I know. Like, it's and it's a really pretty small country. So it's like the size of New Jersey. Or yeah. Something. Exactly. And, 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 and it's the size of New Jersey, yet they don't have a Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or maybe they do. Maybe they do have Bruce We don't know yet. But um basically, yeah, no, it's very narrow and also that line is like shaped very weird and odd, like kidney bean shaped or whatever. Yeah. So that yeah, you 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 have it all like um it's all geographically intermixed in a lot of ways. And like and then there's like Israeli Arabs, Arabs who actually are Israeli citizens who live like completely within normal Israel and stuff. But my experience like I was really in a bubble away from that political stuff. Because it just wasn't... Occasionally, yeah. Bedouins would come visit our kibbutz, but it was a peaceful thing. They would come and they would like do... They had some labor arrangement. Would they trade something? Yeah, they it? did something. They did some service or something, you know? And I remember only once we were in Jerusalem on a trip. I think it was a trip with our kibbutz. So we had our kibbutz um, sort of leader guy. Um, and he was a cool guy. His name was Shalom. Uh, so funny. That's his name? Yeah, his Shalom. name was Shalom. And he was from South Africa. And he was a very cool-looking guy, you know? And he's just, he's kind of a cool guy and smart guy. And I just remember you we were taking us around that view of, like, Mount of Olives. We were kind of, like, on the other side of all the wall and the dome, You're looking down. And I just remember there was a there was an Arab guy, and he was really angry. And he came up on our bus, and he, like... Started menacing and like, oh no, God, just like angry and red faced and clearly hated us because we were Westerners, Americans, and probably Jews, you know. Mm-hmm. And and we had some girls with us and stuff like, you know, women, you know what I mean? Like like not even guys, you know. And he was like, he was like waving his hands, fist. I mean, this guy. I think Shalom came back and made this guy get. And we we're trying to figure out what to do, you know. And I and I could and in a tiny tiny microcosm made me realize that like you can talk about this, you can talk about that, but somebody's getting in your face and screaming at you and trying to like. Do that and there's a part of you that's like, okay, um you know, I guess um I guess I before you actually care why they're upset, you just want to punch them in the face. Yeah,
0: right. Because there's, you There's can't, a way to communicate you and there's can't do a way that. not yeah. to communicate. Yeah, it's
1: like, I didn't do it. We're like we're the coolest people. we're the nicest people in the world. Like <laughs> like I know I I'm like I'm like like pretty liberal I wasn't there as like this is our land, you know what I mean? I was just like, I'm just checking it out. I'm just like seeing right. the sites, you know what I mean? Like, I'll hear your grievance, but when you, when you, when you come out and with this, you, you didn't have to speak the guy's language and no, He was like, he was full of hate and rage, you know? Did you have some hardliners
0: in the kibbutz? Like, yeah, you were just talking dudes? about politics
1: and stuff? Yeah. I think so. Well, I used to, it was funny, because I, I started talking, I'd never met South Africans before, and this is yeah. before apartheid ended. And I was talking, of,
0: I was surprised. A lot of uh, huge, big Jewish population in South. I know
1: Africa. there was a whole thing, man. There was there there was like there was. I mean, for the size of just South Africa, there was like a two hundred thousand, and then a lot of them um, were very prominent. You know what I mean? Relatively. I mean, there was one girl, I guess, who was came from a loaded family or something, mm-hmm. um, and then but they, they were all they were kind of characters as South Africans, and um, and we we're talking to this one guy who actually I really like. He and I were like oil and water from the beginning, <laughs> and uh, he was like Edim Edim. You know, and, and he's this guy, Gary, Was oh, man, he was, and he, like, said he knew karate, and he threatened to, like, beat me up with karate. And I, was, I said one day, I, said, I don't think that's a very karate thing to do. I don't think when they, I don't think your teachers it's
0: more are, of a defense, more, yeah, not an offense.
1: I think that's a misuse of karate, you know what I mean? And um, basically, like, those guys had served, I think, in the South African military, because hard- they were hardcore, like Israel, and... I remember talking to them and they were just like, they're so like completely racist, like completely acculturated to it. And... And it was to, to as an American, I just was it was just, it was it was like going to the South and having somebody just sort of like say the, the N word like eight times yeah. and just say no, of course they're subhuman garbage. What are you talking about? What are you what are you some liberal like idiot? You know what I mean? And I was like, <laughs> no, no, we don't see things like that at all. He's like, no, no, Adam, you've got to put them over there. You got to put them there. You here, you can't live with these. Talk to these people. I'm telling you, you got to put your boot on them or whatever. And I yeah. was like, I was like, Gary, man, that's so effed up. You know what I mean? That's like, it's like. But um yeah, it's just interesting. I mean that's how they grew up. And they were just like regular white South Africans. Yeah. That was yeah, absolutely yeah. they weren't weird. They was like they were no, some of them were probably even a little lighter on it, but but that was just the white South African mainstream. You know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah.
0: So was that your first trip out of the country?
1: Um, no, that was a big trip by myself. When I was a kid, my parents when I was um Six and I turned seven. My parents rented out our house in Boston for half a year, and um, we went and lived in Spain in a little house in southern Spain. Well, actually, it's kind of a neat, weird, funky little place. For how long? For 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 about almost a half a year. My parents actually sent me and my sister to the public school there, and um, which was crazy.
0: Why did they go to Spain?
1: Um, my dad just wanted to work on writing there, and he had the freedom to do it because he was just working as a writer. And if you're going to write and just write and not make money wow. doing it, you may as well just go to Spain. You so know you're like I mean? six, seven? Yeah, I turned seven. I was in first grade. And my sister's four years old, four grades older than me. So she was a little more, you know, whatever, knowing what was going on. But yeah, they just just uh, to elementary school. And so we're pulling Adam out. We're going on a trip to Spain. They're like, oh, okay. And um, they put us in the elementary school. There was southern Spain. It was near Malaga.
0: Oh, way down there, yeah.
1: Uh, Costa del Sol. And then there's a little town called Nerja, which is like a neat little city. Uh, right on the coast, like beautiful. And then up above Nerja, there's uh, these mountains, Sierra Nevada mountains, right? So it's a little like California where you have mountains near the coast. Oh, right? beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. And there was a little village called La Molineta, which is literally like a bend in the road. And I think it means like the uh, the small windmill or something. And they 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 lined up because they're renting out their house in Boston, so they had then some money to rent a house mm-hmm. in Spain. And... um. We rented a little neat place. So it's because white stucco and had a cool backyard and stuff. And um, it was just a peaceful, great environment for my dad to sit there and work on his book. And my mom is an artist. And wow, they just they, they were able to do it. Like they don't have a lot of money or anything, but they just you're. It, and it's we're talking like the 1970s and stuff's cheap. And yeah. Spain was the cheapest country. It was wait,
0: but that was, was Franco was still Franco
1: was still a dictator. Oh so we boy, lived, we lived under a fascist. Um, yeah, that was. <laughs> We lived. Wow. In, we lived in a fascist dictatorship. We lived in a country that was allied, basically, with the Nazis, and that's that's the crazy thing. They we lived there, and it was like it was okay.
0: Yeah. What kind of relationship did they have with the U.S. at the, I'm trying to think. With the governments, did we? It was
1: like a friendly fascism. It was like a mellow Were We pro.
0: We weren't really pro Franco, but we. Didn't. I don't know.
1: But they didn't consider him anything. It wasn't like I mean Franco was like he wasn't trying to kill people. I mean it wasn't you know it wasn't attacking other countries or murdering right. people yeah. at that point.
0: Well, we've supported, you know, yeah, yeah, we yeah, supported yeah. Mubarak. we supported totally. Saddam for,
1: of for a while. So. And I don't even know how America felt about him. I mean, it probably depended on the president. Some yeah. probably would be like, oh, he's okay. He's a you know, good conservative. Some people, some, some Democrats may not have liked him. But we didn't we didn't assassinate him we didn't like no, him he was on...
0: just another bad guy who was around no. you know, like Pinochet and yeah. Chile and all these dudes he was
1: older and like the whole that whole fascism yeah. thing it kind of wasn't Argentina
0: as... had a military yeah. dictatorship back then or, it was or...
1: like it was a soft it was a soft fascism right it was it was on its way out after he I guess died they got a very socialist government. Actually, went crazy the other way. But yeah. what they, do you remember? What do you remember from Spain? What, what I remember from Spain was that there was there was it was totally uh, Franco and fascism. And uh, you're you're absolutely right. And basically, though, but it was like it was like you still had tourists flocking to Armelinos, uh, this fake town, which is just like full of like English and Europeans and cotton candy and hot dogs, and whatever. <laughs> and um, basically, um, but what I remember was there was a lot of kind of cool, interesting English uh, people. Because uh, for them, like, that's that's the if you're UK, that's, like, their Florida or, you know, their whatever, right. you know, Baja, Mexico, you know. So, it's a so, resort area. Totally. Yeah. Relatively close. Unbelievable weather. Exotic. Mediterranean. Yeah, I'd love to know. get there this summer if yeah, I Yeah, cheap. It must have been cheap for them because it was, I remember it was, like, it was price fantasy land, Veras, because it was, like, you'd get these pesetas and everything. Oh, yeah, back like, then. A yeah, few yeah, sure. pesetas, yeah. It, it it wasn't, like, Europe. Like, it was yeah, it, it was, was a pre-Euro. It was pre-euro, and they were like, honestly, even back then, it economically going to Spain back then, it was like dropping so far below the Central European countries. Oh, sure. Like, you guys well going to like Tunisia, economically, you know? Mm. And so it was really neat in terms of like being able to live okay, you know? What kind of books did your dad write? Uh, he was working on a, a novel. He was working on – he's written some nonfiction and some fiction stuff. Um, and but he was working on like a like a novel about at that time I think about this guy he grew up with in Boston, his character. And um so basically he was yeah, he was living this life and he had his big legal pad and his huge beard and, <laughs> and, and and basically so so um what was the last thing you read? Oh yeah, so what you would see is you, you, there was all these like cool English people who would lived there for a long time and were more interesting and artsy, like my parents. So they made friends with a couple of those people, and who lived up in that village, right? And uh, and otherwise, it was very, very peasant southern Spain, very real, you know. And um, you'd see occasionally on a on a, on a street, you'd see a Guardia de Seville, which was the national um, federal police department, which was the fascist police, basically. So you'd see the Guardia de Seville standing there in their in their military outfits with their machine guns. But it just made things probably extra safe. They didn't do anything. They didn't stop anyone. They weren't interested in us. They didn't care. Um, it, as far as we experienced, you know. So, so it's just like, oh wow, there's a pretty serious policeman. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it does definitely probably suppress little things, crimes. You know.
0: What do you remember from the school?
1: I remember the school was so they had separate boys and girls school. And this is real villagey Spain. This isn't Madrid. It's right. The opposite. You know. <laughs> and. Uh, and basically, there was one school for the girls. I don't even know if I ever saw it. And there was the woman head, the, the teacher. And your ages six through 12 were together in one big room. That, yeah, that yeah, one room schoolhouse. Or together in one school. I don't even know how. Like, they somehow mixed all the grades and taught all the grades, I guess. They just sort of somehow figured out how to do it. We had the mayor of the village. The mayor of the village was the boys' teacher. And I'm sitting there and I speak three words of Spanish and i made friends with a couple of spanish kids and um the, he would he would what i could do was dictation and uh, math right because that's universal and he'd come over and he'd work with me and he'd work with me on my math and he'd correct my math and and to go over that and i could do the dictation and i would just sort of zone out when it came to language stuff that i couldn't participate in i like learned a few words and you know my accent you didn't pick it up though i mean didn't you know, I picked up a Kids few pick words. Up languages quick. I know. Usually. I picked up. I picked up a few words. I don't know, but I used to hang out with these these two boys, and they're both named they're both named Jose Miguel. <laughs> so one had a really skinny face and was like slender and dark hair, and one was chubby and blonde. So we just say like like Jose Miguel. I'm gonna go play with Jose Miguel. But which one? Like fat blonde Jose Miguel? Like okay, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. And uh, basically, um, I don't even know how I was friends. I was like friends. We we only. Spoke three words, which is probably the perfect friendship to have. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like food. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you went there, and then you didn't leave the country again till the kibbutz.
1: Yeah, yeah. So there was that trip, and on that trip, we did a sub trip to Morocco, um, and then oh, we see, also. See, I still haven't been there. We took a we took a boat at the end. Once we left Spain, we took a boat over to Italy, and then we saw a little bit of like Switzerland and Germany or something. Flew out of Luxembourg back at the end of that trip. Oh, okay. So, so yes, it was. As far as the country goes, it was all the way from then to it yeah, to get to Israel. Yeah, yeah, that was the next time I think I left the country.
0: What did you do with your cool little uh, artsy hippie parents.
1: Yeah, they were they were uh, there's some stories. <laughs> there's some stories about Morocco there too. And there was so much hash in Morocco. I mean, I was not interested in it as a 6-year-old or anything. I'm not I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I don't smoke it now either, but um but I but I was aware. I was aware of it. It was just it was everywhere, you know. Wow
0: even aware at at 6 you could just like yeah, see you, it and smell it and cuz you'd
1: go to a bizar- cuz my my parents are kind of borderline hippie okay. kind of people so i was very aware of what it was and <laughs> you'd go to these sort of courtyard or street kind of bazaar areas where they sell carpets great carpets there and then they would be hash salesmen they'd be sitting down they'd be sitting on the on the sidewalk me on a carpet and they would have their little little clumps of uh hash different colors different kinds And here's the thing, they would sell them to you, very good price, good hash, (laughs) Um, and then sometimes they could turn around and turn you in, and especially at the border when you went back to Spain. I think that was the more common thing. I don't think people would turn you in on purpose that much if they'd sell you hash or whatever, as long as you're hanging in the country, down, away from the border. But as soon as you got back to the border with with Gibraltar, Ceuta, which is like a, a weird city that Spain owns... You're right, they right, right. own
0: a town in
1: Africa at the little
0: tip there, yeah. Right? So their boats can land right there,
1: basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because they got screwed out of their empire when they lost Gibraltar, sort of or whatever. Yeah, the UK
0: runs uh, the UK. They own yeah. Gibraltar.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's really weird. It's a
0: section of Britain. Yeah, it's yeah. really strange.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, and and yeah, then the people hold signs there of like you know their political controversies. So, but basically, like as soon as you come back into Ceuta, which is Spain, there's um I remember this really well there would be the off- officers, and I don't know if they were Spanish or they're Moroccan, kind of helping the process. I think it was Moroccan, and they would they didn't want you to leave with anything. So they would stop you, and they'd randomly go through cars. I mean, I'm talking fine-toothed comic, scary. And we saw cars where they, like, stop Real hippie-looking people, I remember one case, and they'd make you take... They would take the wheels off the car, and they would look through the wheel and the tire. Ugh. And um, can I just say... Um, my dad smuggled hash out of that country. And he still got it out when they were looking yeah. at tires. Yeah. so my Him dad with his risks, beard risks, and his... He risked getting thrown in a horrible prison for a year, <laughs> oh, which is what they do. With with two kids? Yeah, and maybe we would have been there, too. Mm. So I would have actually gotten to go to, to Moroccan prison for a year. I would have the best goddamn childhood. <laughs> I'd have the best You call stories. it the best? You'd have a good story, though. I'd have an amazing story. <laughs> I don't know what impact it would have had on me
0: <laughs> so did um, it's a
1: sitcom right there by yeah, the way a family in a Moroccan prison. write it up
0: alright write it up yeah. did um, did all this travel like as a kid and uh, later on to Israel and that kind of thing did that make you want to see more of the world did that change your perspective of the world in, in
1: general yeah I think so I would I would like to see because you see what's what you like you see what's good and you see what's different You know, and it's just sort of like you see what makes you appreciate things here in America, but it also makes you appreciate different flavors and things that are there in other places. You know, and when you're a little kid, it's like you're, you know, you're not able to participate in the same way as an adult. That's why when I went back to Europe as an adult, I really appreciated just getting to see things on an even level and not just being some little kid. But there's images that I have as a little kid that I feel like are really definite of things I saw and experienced. What's your
0: favorite place that you've you've been to, if you could pick one?
1: Yeah, my favorite oh god, my favorite place would be maybe France. Uh I don't know, is that horrible to More say than that? Italy? No, I was gonna say I've gone to spend actually a lot of time in Italy and maybe maybe I should say Italy. It, you know it's <laughs> most it's,
0: people say Italy. It's but.
1: really close. No, because I, I my my ex, um uh my girlfriend before my fiance now, Robin. She she's from Italy, and um, that was very interesting too. She's from she's from a, a, a kind of upper family in Central Italy. And for two, this was only a f- few years ago, several years ago. For two winters in a row, I got to go spend some serious time over there with them, and they were like this old money family, and 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 very interesting. And uh, she knows a lot. Um, I asked about, you know, what else. so we'd go on little trips around, and, you know, she also owns an apartment in Rome, this very, like, nice area and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was getting to see, I was getting to see some really good stuff, you know? Right. And, and to me, a lot of it, like Italy, where I spent more time than I in France, um, is, uh, yeah, it's, there's, there's, there's things about it that I think are just culturally so nice, you know? That, was, that, was that your favorite, maybe?
0: Yeah, I mean it's always up there. I mean it's hard to go wrong with it just on the food alone.
1: The food is just
0: <laughs> and just the lifestyle and everything yeah. else. I mean there's uh yes, there's some crime and corruption and everything else there. And, right. And it's getting worse just cuz the unemployment's so high there and in Spain and as well. Yeah, yeah. But I love Spain too. Uh anywhere in Europe. I mean it's, that's kind of a it no also But it depends. But I also love Thailand. I love yeah. uh yeah, I really love that one. I like Brazil a lot. So
1: I want to see those places. I want to see, first of all, the Far East. I want to see a completely different, not European yeah. thing, even though I love Europe. But uh, I also like South America is really interesting to me. So a lot of it is like if I could snap my fingers, honestly, and like just have a huge pile of cash, I would. <laughs> like I would I would go on a little trip to Brazil next week or whatever, you know, or Thailand. It, it sounds exploitative, but I have to say, it's just, it, the thought of going to a place where it's like you have play money all of a sudden, where your <laughs> money becomes, or you're in some kind of, like, play economy, where things are, you know what I mean? It's almost, it's almost like a place where it feels like you can pay in pebbles. and Because, and, <laughs> yeah. like, when I was in Egypt on that little sub-trip, the exchange rate then, and also the way the Egyptian economy is, is that Egyptian pounds... I think we got a couple of Egyptian pounds for a dollar few and you could have a meal for one Egyptian pound. Yeah. One Egyptian pound which is a half a dollar if that. And you'd have a meal where like there'd be like the thing and the falafel and the hummus and and stuff. So I mean it was just like wow, it's just that's it used to be like I guess it used to be like that more and some some countries are like that yeah. still. Yeah. I
0: mean it depends like places like Brazil or especially Rio are getting more expensive but I remember going there and yeah. it was really it was so cheap. It was so cheap. And now, I mean, anywhere in Europe is, is expensive. And the dollar's weak yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, now. Yeah. Now we're like even with Canada, which yeah. has never happened in my lifetime. Oh, right, Other than right, now. Right. Canada was always a bargain. Totally. Not anymore. You're right. But, but uh, yeah, you can still... It's a, it's a lot cheaper to travel out there. In a place like India or something like that, yeah. it's really... It's nothing. It's but, nothing.
1: When you When you go places... Do you uh do you try to learn a few words? Do you like to like Yeah, I
0: always yeah. You know, if anything I oh, yeah. like to get try to at least get please and thank you. Hmm. And um you know things like taxi and hotel and Yeah. You know it, I, again I don't really have that many problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you want to at least say please and thank you and
1: I, I was excuse like me or yeah. something
0: like that. Yeah.
1: Oh, totally. I mean, I just I love um Thinking that I could be cool and multicultural I – mean, I, mean, I mean, not multicultural in a PC way, but I mean, like, I could, like, fit in and, 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 and fake them out, you know, or, or, or adopt the culture. Like, when I, was in, um, when I was in Egypt, I made a point of learning a few key Arabic words, so I would try to say them really well. So I can't say many words, but I could say the words I know really well, like a big min fadlakh. <laughs> Shukran, shukran, which you means I mean, I mean is please, and shukran is thank you. See, those
0: are the, those are the bread and butter words, and right? I there. is
1: yes. So I would just say it's yes one and no th- that you want to get those two. Yeah, down. yeah, totally, and not confuse yes and no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but if you just go if you if you just if you say one word, but you act like you might know a lot more. You know what I mean? It's like shukran, and you yeah. walk away, and it's like, and they Ooh. appreciate the uh, the effort. Usually, I they think do. So, cool. so yeah, if yeah.
0: you had to uh, like to wrap it up here, if you had to like describe. Uh, your experiences and what you've learned for them to people who are like wary of traveling yeah. how do you convince people to travel and and tell them to get out there how do you talk up like seeing other countries and stuff because a lot of Americans are yeah. afraid to go cases, anywhere in some cases
1: just start with the food because when it comes to a place like Italy you just talk about there's something about the quality and attention of food and I don't, like you can go somewhere in Hollywood and get some really great salami or some olive oil or but I don't it's just different when you're in a place where they're just that's fanatically like a religion to have great unbelievably carefully created food and it's really important to them and authenticity and stuff so the food alone and seriously if you do nothing else and you just go to Italy and you eat good food which is almost it almost all is (laughs) most of it um, or France um, that alone but I also think that um, it's just it's just basically experiencing a different perspective. It also gives you a different perspective. There's other humans on the globe who have a completely different like um priority of what's important to them and stuff than the ones we see right around us. And yet they have a great life and they're 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 important people. Um so so to me, I just think anytime you go out further, I think you get that going outside of LA in a different way. Absolutely. Because you just see that like Hollywood is not the center of like their world. So I think basically I say the food, the culture, and the um the approach to life, let alone the visual stuff. Because I think the culture alone, it doesn't it doesn't always have to be see that mountain or that building. Oh, that's awesome. And the buildings are also unbeliev incredible. Like I think the, the the integrity of the buildings in Europe blows away so much of like in America. But I also think he's got to start with the culture and the people and the food. It's a good advice. Yeah, yeah, I like it.
0: Well, thanks for coming here, man. I thanks, man. Was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, Where yeah, can yeah. people uh, see your work, or uh, if they want um, to find you?
1: I've got I've got dot um, and then a you know, Facebook page, and then and then the uh, the writing, the comedy writing uh, business I do is funnybiz.biz. Funny biz, yeah. Funny biz dot biz. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and you, uh, people need like funny stuff for a speech or for work or yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. I write, I write comedic content. I custom write funny speeches and um, and roasts and presentations. And I also write material for people who have to deliver funny material for a living, wh- whatever capacity that is, from stand-up comedians. Uh, to, and, and everything else
0: and also, also if yeah. you need any onion work out there you're very skilled at, you
1: totally <laughs> I can uh, do anything with I can make a blooming onion <laughs> in my car
0: you can toss 150 yards if, you, if need be
1: I can I can <laughs> I had to learn that on the kibbutz I had to learn about how well I could chuck because the baseball skills come in handy <laughs> right. when you chuck an onion at an unruly French guy
0: <laughs> oh, man. well thanks for being here man I appreciate thanks. it thanks it was a lot of fun Adam Grapman, everyone